Okay, we are live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have a very special guest. His name is Harvey Wasserman. And he reached out to me through social media, through some uh, public relations agencies to talk about what I think is a very important topic for people here in California. It's about the Diablo Canyon nuclear power plant, which is located kind of in between LA and San Diego. It's right up against the coast. There's a lot of uh, discussion in, the, in California about this nuclear power plant. There's a lot of things about nuclear power. I've watched a recent documentary about Three Mile Island uh, and all the problems with that, which was very close to being a very horrific meltdown. I'm familiar with Fukushima and I've done a lot of research into Chernobyl. So I'm kind of familiar with kind of the nuclear power and the nuclear power industry, which is very important to understand. But Harvey's gonna talk more about that. So Harvey Wasserman, welcome to the show. Well, William, it's, it's an honor to be on your show, and um, uh, it's a perfect picture of Diablo Canyon, except it's missing all the protesters being dragged off, uh, of which I was one in 1984. I was arrested at Diablo uh, Canyon. Uh, it's in San, well, it's just, it's due west. It's eight or nine miles due west of San Luis Obispo on the ocean. Oh, okay. It's a place called- Okay, I got it wrong. It's, it's all right. The one you, you mentioned between L.A. and San Diego is San Onofre, which we have shot. And uh, thank God. Uh, unfortunately, at San Onofre, they're storing very high level radioactive waste 100 feet from the tide line. I mean, the, these people have no sense whatsoever. Now, Diablo Canyon. Let me give you the bigger picture, uh, William, and then we can get right into it. Uh, as fate would have it, I actually did a report on nuclear power in ninth grade. I was in, it was 1959. I had gotten a book uh, called Our Friend the Atom by Walt Disney, and I, I cribbed it for a report. So uh, from 1959, when I was uh, 14 or so, um, I, I knew a bit about nuclear power. But then in the 1973, I was living on a farm an organic farm in Western Massachusetts, uh, due west of Boston, due north of New York City. And um, the local utility came in and said they wanted to build a nuclear plant four miles from our house, two reactors. And we just said no. I mean, we, we, we had absolutely no interest in having our rural community destroyed by a gigantic, well, you can see Diablo Canyon there. You can imagine that, that would have been the size of the plant that they wanted to build in, in our town. And basically we organized and we stopped them. And William, if you've ever seen a, a bumper sticker that says no nukes, we did that. We those we printed the first ones. And there were there were a wide variety of reasons why we wanted to stop this plant. In addition, I mean, even if it had not been a nuclear plant, we would have tried to stop it. But uh, with nuclear power, we were afraid of the radiation and many other things which we'll get into. Um, but that was my introduction to the issue um, in a real way. And I, that was uh, almost 50 years ago. And I've been doing it ever since. And I've written, I don't know, five or six books about nuclear power and um, um, I've done a tremendous amount of research. It's been a major part of my life ever since. So um, uh, I, the, the, I then went up, they were building two reactors two reactors at Seabrook, New Hampshire. And there were very large demonstrations there, which we helped to organize in 1976 
77 and 78. And we did stop one of the reactors. But to give you an idea of the scope of the issue, uh, William, in 1974, when we were just getting going, Richard Nixon went on national television and announced that there would be a thousand atomic reactors in the United States by the year 2000. And so if you can imagine 500 of what you're looking at, this is two reactors spread across the United States, it, it, it's an apocalyptic nightmare. And, and so in, in the year 2000, when Nixon said there'd be a, a, a thousand reactors, there were in fact 104. And um, of the 896 that didn't get built, most of them were stopped by you know, citizen opposition and by the bad economics of nuclear power. And, and by then, um, we had a full-blown movement. Uh, we still do, actually. And to bookend it, and we'll go in more in detail in the middle, these two reactors you're looking at are right on the beach. As you can see, that's the ocean there. Um, um, even before it opened, when it was still under construction, uh, they put some pipes into the water where you see the outtake. And the pipes had copper residue and killed the entire abalone population in that uh, beach uh, area before the reactors ever opened, for God's sakes. So now those reactors, um, they opened in 84 and 85. So they're pushing 40 years old. And in 2016, a deal was cut. This was an unprecedented deal, but very important. Between uh, the utility company, Pacific Gas and Electric, which is a criminal operation, by the way, and we can talk about that, um, uh, the local citizens, the union, it's a unionized workforce, uh, the environmental groups, and the state. And the deal was made to shut these two reactors in 24 and 25. There are a number of reasons for that. Uh, the cooling system, you can see there are no cooling towers there. So the water comes in through intake pipes, goes through the reactors, heated about 40 degrees, and comes out where you see it. It's illegal in California because it raises the temperature of the water way beyond the legal limit. And so Diablo, we had court decisions saying that Diablo would have to build cooling towers to continue to operate. So PG&E had a major incentive to shut the reactors because they didn't want to, cooling towers cost a couple billion dollars at least, right? And um, then uh, there are other issues involved. Number one being that a, an atomic reactor that's 40 years old, is going to be very, very dangerous just on the face of it. I mean, Chernobyl, which blew up, and, and, and Three Mile Island, which almost blew up, were, were very new reactors, less than a year old. This one is uh, pushing 40. And the it's ancient technology, reactor, right? It's old technology. Oh, well, old nuclear technology. The entire nuclear, one thing people got to understand about the entire nuclear power industry, when you say nuclear power, people think high tech. In fact, the average age of the 92 reactors still operating in the United States is 39. Next year, they'll all be, four, on an average, 40. The youngest reactor in the United States, a uh, big one, uh, is at Watts Bar, Tennessee. And it was they began construction there in the 1970s. Uh, they finally opened it in 1994. 
But um, uh, all the reactors in the United States were designed pre-digital, before computer technology really came on. And they've all been retrofitted. Uh, the, the, the computer technologies in every reactor in the U.S. is, is a retrofit. It's, it's not embedded. So um, this reactor, um, that's a good point. Nuclear reactors are really cool. Well, they're not. As far as I'm concerned, they're very hot, actually. Uh, but the tech that is so old now, something's liable to happen. So one of the major things that happens to atomic reactors when they operate for a long time is they get embrittled. Now, if you, in, inside both those domes there is a reactor pressure vessel. It's like a, a, it's a cylinder. And it's a six inches thick of stainless steel. And it contains the atomic reaction, which is 571 degrees Fahrenheit minimum, right? But what happens is over time, stainless steel if you, if you expose it to intense heat, radiation, and pressure, the molecular structure of the steel will lose its resilience. That is called embrittlement because what happens then, in a worst case scenario, in a meltdown, which we saw at Fukushima um, and at Chernobyl and at Three Mile Island, actually, um, you have to pour in water. To that's the high tech solution to shutting down an out of control chain reaction is they dump in water. But if the reactor pressure vessel is embrittled and it, it will be super hot in the middle of the meltdown, and if you pour water into it, if it's embrittled, it'll shatter. You know, under ideal circumstances, it's supposed to keep its integrity, but it won't if it's embrittled. So, God forbid you should have a meltdown. And I don't know which one of these is unit one or two, but one of them, unit one, is significantly different than unit two. It was built earlier, obviously. And in the process of building it, they discovered that some of the amalgams that they were using to uh, weld key parts of the reactor infrastructure were, were not good. They contained copper and they had other problems. So after TMI unit one was built, the, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission discontinued that kind of uh, welding material. So it's good for other uh, reactors, but <laughs> it's not great for, uh, for D TMI Unit 1, I mean, Diablo Unit 1. So, um, and all reactors in the United States, to a certain extent, are embrittled. And they're all, as I say, pushing 40 years old somewhere between 25 and 40 years old. And, and embrittlement is very, very serious. Um, it was, um, uh, oh, there's a great question from Keith Sweet. Who owns the insurance? You ready for this? You do, because no private company, in the first reactor, commercial reactor opened in the late 50s, and the, the feds, the Congress passed a law saying, well, they can't get private insurance. No one would step forward when reactors came on online to take on private insurance. And, that, and they said they gave them 15 years, the Congress did, and they've been renewing it ever since. So since the late 1950s until today, no private insurance company has stepped forward to take the liability for a major disaster. 
If you own because the liabilities off the charts, right? It's in the billions. Well, you, you can't even calculate. Right. Like here, look at Fukushima. It's off the charts. Same with off the charts. Well, here I'll give you. Here's a little math. Here's a little math <laughs> exercise for you. Calculate the financial damage that would be done if these two reactors, or even just one of them, blew up, and the radioactive cloud goes into Los Angeles because the prevailing winds are are north to south. And I know that for certainty because I ride a bike path. With, I live in LA and I ride, ride a bike path up and down the, the ocean there. There's a coastal bike path. And I can guarantee you that the winds are always blowing from the north because <laughs> I start my ride, bike ride and I go from Will Rogers Park south to Venice. And it's a breeze because I got the wind in my back. But 99% of the time coming back up, the wind is in my face. That means that the wind is blowing from Diablo Canyon into Los Angeles. So you tell me, what is the what is the financial damage that would done be, be done by a radioactive cloud blowing from San Luis Obispo, about 180 miles north of the crow flies, into Los Angeles County, which has 10 million people in it? You tell me that. Keep sweat, sweet says Tentrell. I think that might be a low ball. I think that yeah, might be a low Tentrell, yeah. I mean, come on. And so the, the law is, the, the law that the Congress passed is that the owner of the nuclear power plant is not liable. They're not liable for the damage done in a major catastrophe. So they, the, the uh, owners, the reactor owners are taxed a small amount of money, and there's a $12 billion fund. A twelve billion. That's nothing. Which is nothing. You know, uh, ridiculous. So um, you saw radioactive, radiation-proof concrete pods for personnel in the parking lot at San Onofre, which is thankfully shut. Um, Those pods actually are probably radioactive waste pods. What they've done is they they've been again use big cylinders and they stand up these control rods. I mean these. um, fuel rods that are used that are spent and they're supposed to sit there for 10,000 years. Uh, very, very um, uh, reassuring. I mean, this thing is right on the ocean. Diablo is 65 feet high, uh, that 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 um, bluff there. Um, so you're going to take a pretty big tsunami, but eventually it'll get there. Uh, the ones at uh, San Onofre are right on the ocean. I mean, how insane can you be? Uh, well, I'll tell you how insane you can be. You can be as insane as you want to be if you're not liable. So, right. you know, That's amazing. So the 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 the, uh, the liability of the federal government uh, uh, in case there it is. That's Senator O'Free, and you can see it's right on the ocean. That's where all the radioactive waste is. Uh, I'm not sure where the pods are. It might be here, uh, but um, you know. Uh, the the owner uh, uh, Edison owned uh, San Onofre and PG&E owns uh, Diablo Canyon. If, God forbid there should be an explosion there. They they don't care. They they're not liable. It's they're not. It's so, just unbelievable. Yeah. How, how good a job are they going to do taking care of these reactors? Now I'll jump ahead a little bit um, uh, and tell. <laughs> yeah, well, G U G A P L W X. You got it. Yeah. Um, um, we can. I don't know if we can use the word that Bill Barr uh, used at the uh, at the hearings, the January sixth hearings, but BS, you know. So the uh, simultaneously in the big picture, and we can go into greater detail on the nukes. But when they when they came at us in um, 1970s, 
uh, and when we said we don't want to build nuclear plants, um, our opposition would say, well, what are you going to do for the power? And we said, well, wind and solar. I, I got to tell you, we really didn't know what we were talking about. But that was convenient and looked good. And little did we know that we had birthed uh, or helped birth a trillion dollar industry because wind and solar just went straight up. I mean, nuclear power has a reverse learning curve. The longer it's with us, the worse it gets. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And the costs of nuclear reactors have been going up and not down. Yeah, PG&E is not only a terrible company, uh, Joker 37, it is a criminal company. Uh, PG&E has pleaded in two separate cases guilty to involuntary manslaughter. The first case was in after 2010. Uh, they blew up a whole neighborhood in San Bruno because they didn't care, care their gas pipes. They killed eight people, for God's sakes, uh, destroyed 19 homes. That's one. And then the second one is <laughs> they, 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 their faulty wiring and various um, infrastructure problems caused the major fires in Northern California that completely destroyed the town of Paradise, uh, which Trump called pleasure, and uh, killed uh, 80 people. Uh, I mean, how would you like to die in a forest fire caused by a utility company? So it's close to 100. Uh, you're right, Joker. Uh, the official no, that means you're 100. You're 100. percent That's kind of like a oh, internet oh, nomenclature okay. for you're batting 100. All right, thank you. So um, uh, simultaneously, with our fighting nuclear power, has been uh, working for the rise of the solar and wind industry, which in recent in the last decade has been joined by a big battery industry uh, and uh, and LED lighting. I mean, LED lighting came out of nowhere. No one was, we, we didn't know anything about LED lighting for, until like, what, 10 years ago? And now it's taken over the whole country. So the bottom line is that what we advocated green power or what I call solartopia, and I have a book called Solartopia, um, um, and it's the name of my website. Anybody want to get in touch with me, solartopia.org. Um, um, but if you, let's put it this way. If you'd have taken where wind and solar are now uh, in terms of cost and effectiveness and so on, and, and, and said in 1970s that that's where it would go, nobody would have believed you. The, 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 the curve uh, for the efficiency and cost effectiveness of renewable, well, especially solar and wind, and now batteries and efficiency is just straight up. It's phenomenal. The uh, uh, and so the reality is that we and they're actually just to let the audience know the battery technology is about to get even more strong based upon what they've learned about batteries because the single state solid state battery will be even stronger than the current lithium batteries. So the so, next generation will be incredible. Yes, and 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 the the, the big challenge is going to to get off lithium and cobalt. If we can get out of lithium and cobalt, then the batteries will just go, you know, sky high again. And uh, that, that's a big deal. With, with solar, you know, you do have some um, um, rare, rare earth. Again, it's lithium. Uh, with wind, you, you really don't. I mean, wind is just, windmills have been around forever, basically. The first electric generating windmill was actually invented by a guy named Charles Brush in Cleveland in the 1880s. So that technology has been with us 140 years. Uh, the, the first photovoltaic um, 
controlled experiment was also in the 1830s or 40s, actually, even further back. But the first photovoltaic cell was built in the Bell Labs in the early 50s. And that one, you can still see that one. That goes around. There are, there are fairs where you, you can hold the first photovoltaic cell, and it still generates electricity. It's degraded quite a bit, but it still, still works. The second one went up on the, uh, um, a satellite. That's what they built it for. But, you know, we are fighting now in California to preserve uh, the rooftop solar industry and to, and to get uh, offshore wind. Um, and I, you know, there are, and they talk about jobs. In California alone, there are 70, that's 70,000 people working in the wind and solar industry. It's becoming one of the biggest employers in the state. There are 1,500, 1,500 people working at Diablo. So what are we talking about here? You know, you lose 1,500 jobs at Diablo, fine, they'll be replaced by 10,000. Um, and, and, you know, all the numbers now are on our side. I actually advocate at this point in time a totally free market in energy. If we got rid of all the subsidies, for nuclear, for coal, for gas, for oil, for wind, for solar. Wind and solar would take over in a minute. No, there is not another technology on the market today, not even so-called cheap natural gas, that can compete with wind and solar. Um, the, the, these two reactors, and again, this is so infuriating, people want to keep them open. Uh, these two reactors lose $3.5 million a day. The, 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 the power that's generated at Diablo Canyon every day is $3.5 million above market. So it's going to, it costs a billion dollars to keep these two reactors open uh, over cheaper energy. It's, it's ridiculous. Doesn't make sense. It's like a misapplication uh, of. Uh... Cost. It's incredible. And you're not even talking about the waste that's involved, too, because right. the waste is a very serious issue. Can you discuss that? Yeah. So uh, the, in the inside the reactors, you may be able to get some fuel rods up here, uh, William, if you if Google around. Um, but um, inside the reactor are, are fuel rods. Uh, they're little pellets. They're in, in the tubes, zirconium tubes, which can catch fire, by the way. And here we go. This is the most uh, that that that's that's a um, that's Canadian, and uh, the ones in the middle there, transmutation and nuclear energy. Um, th that's a that's a um, uh, um, that's what they look like, and they they're they're in arrays that are you know they're spaced. They have to be spaced from each other. The fuel rods can't be touching. There you go. But um, um, I think they're about thirty feet high. In general, something like that, maybe six or seven feet across, and uh, but each fuel rod in there gets intensely radioactive. That's the point. And then after a while, really only a couple of years in some cases, they're not radioactive enough to sustain the the heat of the chain reaction that's needed to make the the plant work. So they're taken out and they're radioactive for ever, basically quarter million. I mean, nobody knows the calculations are a quarter million years. Um, and there's plutonium in there, which is the deadliest substance ever created by human beings. And you breathe a, a minuscule grain of plutonium and you will get 
you will get lung cancer, which has a 95% death rate. So, you know, uh, this is, and there's nowhere to store this stuff. Um, they, they dug, they spent $10 billion drilling a tunnel through a dormant volcano in Nevada, 80 miles from Las Vegas. It's called uh, um, uh, uh, Yucca Mountain. And I have been through Yucca Mountain. I've walked through that thing with a geologist who was pointing to the roof and showing me the earthquake faults that run right through the place, for God's sakes. And, you know, and there's no, there's no rail line there. And uh, there is perched water in the top of the um, a volcano. It's, a, as I said, a dormant volcano. There's like a, a little pond of natural water. If there's an earthquake, God forbid, and there's radioactive waste in there, the water is going to come pouring down on the radioactive waste. I mean, it's total genius, uh, the, the, what they've done the, there. And the that, same thing, they have, the weird, they have the weirdest thought process in Fukushima. Like, there were markers from like the 16th century how high uh, a tsunami yes. got, and they built it right on the water. It does, it's just so crazy. And well, now it's a disaster. I, I was in Japan in the mid 70s, and I spoke with uh, the anti nuclear movement and people there. And I marched and I wrote an article in the Progressive magazine in 77 talking about Fukushima. And, and how there were marches against this crazy reactor built uh, on a site surrounded by earthquake faults in a tsunami zone. So it's not like they didn't know what was going to happen here. You know, I mean, this is there's no mystery about what happened at, at Fukushima. And so, there's no just for also sorry to interrupt, but also people know that that's concerns go back to the 70s. There was a famous movie called The China Syndrome. Where there was a meltdown, I think of Jane Fonda. It was and, Jane uh, Fonda, Lemon. Michael Douglas, and Jack Lemmon. I was Jack actually Lemon, on yeah. the uh, the set of oh, wow. the uh, cool. of the China Syndrome. I, uh, Jane so good movie. Fonda and I corresponded because we had started the anti nuclear movement, and she was married to Tom Hayden at the time, who I knew from Ann Arbor. So, um, uh, and the, the, well, what's weird is that the the film, which came out just before. Three Mile Island melted, actually had various elements in uh, the, the, you know, there was a, a mythological meltdown in the, uh, in the movie, and it had various elements in there that were exactly happened at, at, at Three Mile Island. Totally prescient, right? Totally, almost prophetic, like it laid out just like Three Mile Island. It was prophetic, actually. And, but they had, they had based it, it was, it was shot in California, and it was kind of more or less based on Diablo Canyon, and there were protests and things like that in the film. But the film still holds up. And I'll tell you something. The three major accidents that we talk about, uh, Three Mile Island, uh, Diablo Can uh, um, uh, Chernobyl, and, and Fukushima, if you had gone to the experts, the so-called experts, the day before each one of those accidents happened and described exactly what would happen the next day. In all three cases, they were told you were crazy and dismissed you. And, you know, to, for example, when we first started fighting nuclear power, we were told that a nuclear reactor could not explode, that it was physically impossible for a commercial atomic power plant to blow up. 
So and at Three Mile Island, we missed, and there are a lot of stories about this, we, we missed by this much um, a, an explosion that would have taken down or irradiated the entire Northeast. Definitely could have happened. And I'll tell you very briefly, uh, you know, people who, who sometimes wonder, does my activism have any impact? Um, uh, uh, before Three Mile Island Unit 2, went online, there was a big fight about the containment, you know, the big dome. And because if you fly into Harrisburg, you fly right over Three Mile Island, and the local people demanded a stronger uh, containment dome. And they got it. We won that one. And it's quite possible that Three Mile Island did not blow up. There's the two. I don't know. Can you see my arrow? Can you see my arrow on the screen? No. Okay. So the, there you go. The, so those two... Uh, uh, they one of them is is unit two, and it was way stronger than any other dome in the country. And it's quite possible that the reason Three Mile Island did not blow up is because of that stronger dome. So if you de describe what happened at Three Mile Island the day before, they were told you were crazy. If you describe what happened at Chernobyl the day before, they told you you were crazy. If you describe what happened in Fukushima, that four count them four. American design reactors would blow up, they'd tell you you were nuts. As we were told in, in Japan, as we walked, the company said, oh, no, 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 it's not, can't happen, this and that. And I got to tell you, William, um, you know, uh, earthquakes are a big part of this uh, uh, equation. We've had two reactors in the U.S. that have been damaged by earthquakes. One, the first one, believe it or not, in Ohio on Lake Erie, and the other one in Virginia. At North Aaron, and that that earthquake also damaged the uh, Washington Monument. Um, so, if they tell you an earthquake can't do damage to a nuclear plant, you know, forget about it. It's just another lie. They lie about everything. I mean, they're everything. Uh, they lie about everything. They BS. They also hold back information. They omit things. It's really not a very, in my opinion, a very honest, uh, you know, corporate endeavor or business endeavor. But I well, think the China. Jacques Cousteau, the great environmentalist, said the one thing you can count on in a nuclear accident is the company will immediately come out and say there's no possibility anybody will be harmed. <laughs> that's that's a Three Mile Island. The people were definitely harmed. They well, showed that there was yeah. Yes, and that's one of the, the big lies. One of the big lies of the nuclear industry um, is that no one was harmed at Three Mile Island. So I went there in January of 1980, nine months after the accident. And I interviewed people. I sat in kitchens and people showed me their lesions and their scars, told me about the people who died, uh, animals dead all over the place. I held in my arms, I couldn't make this up, uh, right across in Middletown, I held in my arms a black um, terrier uh, that had been born with no eyes. I mean, you know, you hear the, the music going off. So, uh, but people were definitely killed at Three Mile Island. Uh, we believe the death toll at Chernobyl, and you, William, have said you, you and I recommend to all your listeners, uh, the HBO series on Chernobyl. Uh, I made the mistake. I watched it three consecutive nights, and I watched three nights sleep. Even though I've been with this you know, issue for decades, uh, it was so disturbing. It's a five-part series, and I would recommend that everybody who's interested in this issue Get up and, and around 10 or 11 in the morning, start watching it and watch it straight through. It's about eight hours. 
but that's really the way the way to do it because um, um, you have to experience it and the, 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 that HBO series is, is actually quite accurate in many ways. And then in Fukushima, <laughs> you know, talk about high tech. When the tsunami knocked out back out power, backup power at Fukushima, the, in order to keep the control rooms going, which failed ultimately anyway, but you actually had workers who were running out to their cars and taking the batteries out of their cars and bringing them into the control room to keep the, keep the thing going. I mean, it's outrageous. And um, again, they, they told us such a thing could never happen. Now, why this is critical for Diablo Canyon is that we believe there's, there's strong evidence that Unit 1 at Fukushima was actually already melting down when the uh, tsunami hit. That the, the, the earthquake, which was 90 miles away, the, episode, the epicenter of the earthquake that destroyed Fukushima was 90 miles away. The San Andreas Fault is 45 miles from Diablo Canyon, half the distance. So um, uh, there, there is evidence that Unit 1 was already melting at Fukushima, which means that a, an earthquake 90 miles away was able to do that. And uh, there are 12, count them, 12 known named earthquake faults uh, in, in, in the near vicinity of Diablo Canyon. There's a known there's a known earthquake that happens every 150 years in California. The last one, big one in 1850, not the 1906 San Francisco. There was a huge one in 1850 that buckled the earth, and they're waiting for that to happen again. So they, they like, there's one coming. There's yeah, a big yeah. Size well, there's not much mystery California about that, and you know, and um, one of the hardest things I ever had to do in this movement, William, was I. Um, I heard a rumor. They made a movie called San Andreas with Dwayne the Rock Johnston, right? And and I heard a rumor that they made a movie about the San Andreas Fault destroying California, or at least LA and San, San Francisco, that did not mention the Diablo Canyon nuclear plant. And I thought, no, they couldn't possibly have done that. And so there was a that it was a night of the uh, of a of the NBA Finals, uh, uh, the Cavs were playing the uh, the, the Warriors, and um, I gave that up to go because I, I figured I had to see the movie to verify. And by God, they made an entire movie about the San Andreas Fault destroying California and never once mentioned the nuclear plant. How do you do that? So what we're looking at now is that the, uh, the, the, uh, the idiots uh, uh, who support nuclear power, and I, I cannot – contain my, you know, there you go. That's a great view. <clears throat> that entire basin um, was poisoned and now is superheated by Diablo. If Diablo shut down, uh, the whole place would revive. You've had, you'd have sea kelp. The abalone might actually come back, um, you know, and off to the right there is Avila Beach. I mean, uh, people go there. It's a tourist area. It's actually quite beautiful. Um, and then somewhere between the, the nukes, and Avila Beach is where everybody got arrested. That's where the gates to the uh, to the to the the plant are. So, um, God forbid, uh, one of the twelve earthquake faults would go off, and um, and you're done. There was actually a nuclear regulatory commission site inspector named Michael Peck. You know, there's nobody closer to a nuclear plant 
than the guy from the nuclear or woman from the Nuclear Regulatory Commission who lives on site and goes there every day to work or works on site. So Michael Peck, Dr. Michael Peck was there for five years and he wrote a report to the NRC saying, look, these reactors will not uh, uh, be able to sustain uh, a credible earthquake from the 12 uh, uh, fault lines. And uh, you got to shut these reactors down at least to fully inspect or evaluate because they didn't, they allegedly didn't know about these fault lines when they built the reactors. So they can talk all they want about the reactors being withstand, able to withstand an earthquake. But if Fukushima couldn't, these can't. And, um, and you know, uh, and that's where it's at. So th- we're scheduled to shut these reactors in 24 and 25. And now people are saying, we need the power. Uh, we're fighting global warming, which is insane. Um, uh, we need to keep them open. And it, it's, it's completely horrific. So if people want to work on this, you, uh, William, I'll give my email. Um, it, it's solartopia at Gmail, S-O-L-A-R-T-O-P-I-A at gmail.com. And if you want to work on keeping Diablo Canyon shut, email me. And I, I will send you a free PDF of my new history book, The People's Spiral of U.S. History. And, um, you know, and that's your website, too. So solartopia at gmail.com is your email. And then your website is www.solartopia.org, right? That's correct. Right. And people can come in either way. And, um, you know, the cost benefit analysis, they don't even come close uh, on cost benefit. Fukushima, this is from John B. Uh, Fukushima is still costing billions of dollars. What happens at, what, at Fukushima, you know, this happened uh, 13, 12, 11 years ago, 2011, March 3rd, March, March 11th, 2011. And so you had three, exp- four explosions. Unit four, thank goodness, uh, did, was not, they were down for refueling. But hydrogen from unit three apparently migrated into unit four and blew up. Uh, but it wasn't a meltdown there. One, two, and three did meltdown. And you have three radioactive cores that melted through the uh, RPV, the reactor pressure vessel, maybe through the four of the reactors. Nobody can. They they tried sending um, uh, robots in there, and the um, uh, radiation was too intense. They can't get the robots to work in there, and uh, they can't see what's going on. So they don't know. <laughs> after all these years. They don't know where the melted reactor cores are. So that's John, the whole notion of the China syndrome, right? The reactor will melt down and bore into the earth, and that's what's happening in Fukushima. Yes, Fukushima, right? Yes. And they they have to continually pour water into the ground, not knowing exactly where these reactor cores are, to prevent them from blowing up. Still, after all these years, there's some indication the react the radiation is more intense than. In the beginning, and you know the rea- and the water gets intensely radioactive, and they're trying. They've been trying to store it in in tanks. There, the tanks are rickety; they're falling apart. And the G- Japanese government now wants to dump all this radioactive liquid right into the ocean. You're talking about millions and millions of gallons of very radioactive liquid. And then, of course, the local fishing industry 
completely freaked out. And, um, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, and the cores, not only could those cores catch fire again, that was 2011. Okay, that's 11 years ago. The core at Chernobyl could also blow up still. And that was in 1986, for God's sakes. And, you know, there was they're going to manage lot. Chernobyl. They're going to manage Chernobyl for the next thousands of years as long as there's human history. Well, so if somebody, lucky, but you know, what yeah, they'll just keep paying. They had to already put a second dome over the top of that. That's so the cost, uh, $2 we don't know how many people died because of the Chernobyl radiation. It got dispersed millions. Okay. Well, there's one study, the, the nuclear industry hates it, but there's a study done by three Russian scientists. They took, you know, there are 5,000 ways of uh, 5,000 studies were done in the um, aftermath of Chernobyl because the scientists said, whoop de doo we can, this is an experiment we can, we can look at. And there were three Russians who took the 5,000 studies and collated them. And they calculated that more than a million people died worldwide because of, because of Chernobyl. And the core at Chernobyl is still hot. And, you know, when, when Putin sent the troops in, from, he sent them in from Belarus down towards Kiev. And, they, they, you know, military strategy... It made sense for them to march through Chernobyl, so they thought, because there's nobody there. It's been evacuated. So there was no resistance. They were just able to march straight south. What they didn't realize, number one, was they still have to, you know, there's still a whole infrastructure trying to prevent uh, the, uh, the core there from blowing up again. And number two, it's incredibly radioactive there. And so these troops, these Russian troops, started to dig in at Chernobyl, and then suddenly they realized how incredibly radioactive that place is. And they immediately abandoned it. They left uh, because they didn't want to, they, you know, they had to acknowledge that the radiation was too intense to allow troops to be there, even briefly. And, you know, it, it's, it's so terrifying. And if they stop maintaining, uh, there's about 100 people who work full time at, at Chernobyl. And if they abandon that and let it go, it would blow up again. Uh, there's, there's no doubt about that. And, and blow yeah, right through just, that. You know, they put a sarcophagus over it, but that, that would never contain uh, another uh, explosion in Chernobyl. Uh, it's what are we doing with this technology? And the point is now, as I mentioned before, and you know, my whole solar topia thing um, is that wind and solar can replace all this stuff very quickly. You know, if you can do a wind farm, if you get the permits, you can do a wind farm. If you got the windmills, you know, a couple months. Uh, I've, I've watched windmills being installed. It's really amazing. They dig a deep hole. You got a guy, who, who, a backhoe guy who digs the hole. They, they, they stick the pole in, fill it with concrete. You know, it's got to go down way far. Uh, it's really amazing to watch them. And um, with solar panels, solar panels need to go on rooftops. Every rooftop in the world that's not totally shaded by trees, and there are you know, a few, quite a few buildings that are, thankfully, but every rooftop in the world that's not shaded by a tree needs to have a solar panel. Uh, there's no reason not to. And ironically, not many people notice, but solar panels work better in cold weather. 
Um, you know, you got LA, which is great, plenty of sunshine, but it's hot. The best place in the United States for solar power is Colorado because it's cold in the winter and you got 300 days of sun. So, you know, you get a, a 20, 30 degree uh, sunny day in Colorado, that's perfect. And then the other thing, William, and this is going to have to happen, is, you know, we have a tremendous drought problem. I don't tell you that. And in California, you've got, and in the West, you've got these reservoirs and you've got the California aqueduct. Those bodies of water should be covered with floating solar panels because the, the panels will be cooled by the water and they'll be more efficient and they will also stop the evaporation. If you cover the California aqueduct or Lake Mead uh, or all these other reservoirs with solar panels that float, and the Chinese have done this, uh, you'll, you'll uh, drop eva evaporation by half, maybe even more, and you'll have a, you know, a natural habitat for the, uh, for the solar panels. It needs to be done. So yes, we have the alternatives. And ironically, <clears throat> the coastal nuclear plants, which are gonna be shut, thankfully, hopefully, as soon as possible, those, um, those hubs um, will be uh, transformer sites for electricity coming in from offshore wind. Now, offshore wind is, is unbelievably cheap and powerful. I went to a, a, one, of the, one of the formative moments that we had. There was a, um, a, a conference at University of Massachusetts in Amherst in 1975. It was called the Tour Tomorrow Fair. It's put on by a friend of mine. And you had a guy there named William Hieronymus. He was a professor at UMass who advocated very large windmills. These were five megawatt windmills. And uh, people laughed at him. They said, this is too big. It's never going to happen. Uh, you know, you're completely out of your mind. Well, offshore windmills now are 13 megawatts. And getting bigger. I mean, these things are enormous. You know, they're the size of the going to be the size of the Empire State Building, and they do kill the occasional bird. But the big ones, you know, it takes a suicidal bird to fly into one of these things. I mean, they're enormous. The, the blades don't go that fast. They're fast at the tip, um, but you know, uh, 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 there's there's no reason. Cooling towers kill more more birds than windmills. And, uh, you know, no windmill ever killed a fish. Quite the opposite, actually. If we're going to be putting in big offshore windmills, which we are, they're very, very profitable, then um, the area around them will become um, pr preserves. Because you probably don't want boats, you know, driving through there. And so um, if the, the windmills, ironically, will be, they don't affect fish at all. In fact, quite they're good for fish because they provide, you know, an underwater kind of reef uh, situation. So uh, someone's that Joker's asking about molten salt reactors. No, there's no need for them. too much waste. And uh, we just don't need atomic reactors. You do not cool the planet with atomic reactors that burn at 571 degrees Fahrenheit. It just it doesn't make any sense. And, you know, they're talking about fusion. Fusion is 100 million degrees. How do you cool the planet 
with a reactor that's burning at 100 million degrees. Thorium reactors are uh, 1,100 Fahrenheit. So come on, it, it makes no sense. If everybody had solar, it would be enough. Yeah, well, solar and wind. The industrially, you're going to want wind. You need a little more at ver various places. But we certainly now have, uh, for example, uh, um, self-contained um, uh, factories where the factories have enough solar panels that they can power the production of more solar panels. It, you know, it's kind of like a breeder. Kusang um, Hawawa. Uh, 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 thorium is not going to work. Thorium is too far away. It's expensive. It does create radioactive waste. As I say, they burn at 1,100 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, we don't want it. Yes, uh, the windmills at Martha's Vineyard were opposed by uh, the Kennedys, among others, uh, but they're going to go ahead. <laughs> you know, there's too much money in, in, in wind to stop it. The market is the number one force now pushing solar. I mean, yeah, we all did our part as activists, but the bottom line is we created an industry or helped create an industry that's unstoppable now. Uh, and one of the interesting aspects of it is the lost opportunity cost of wasting money on nuclear power that could poison and kill people. Like all that money could have put into increasing this technology's efficiency and effectiveness. And it's all lost. So like you just, I know all these other countries are getting rid of nuclear. I think Germany got rid of nuclear. Germany's in the process, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and, you know, there's this uh, pause that uh, the industry is fighting back with the, the their own big lie. You know, Trump has his big lie. The big lie of the nuclear industry <clears throat> is that atomic reactors can help fight global warming. Complete psychotic nonsense. You do not cool the planet with atomic reactors burning at 570 degrees Fahrenheit. It doesn't happen. Thorium is 1,100. Um, uh, fusions, 100 million. Forget about it. And you, you know, wind and solar work perfectly great. They're getting bigger. They're getting more efficient, as you say. They're breakthroughs in battery technologies. You know, they. You know, the 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 pro nuclear movement has somehow discovered. Uh, this is amazing. They've discovered that it gets dark at night, and sometimes the wind doesn't blow. I mean, come on. You know, so batteries have, have come on uh, full bore. We do want to get them away from thorium. Uh, I'm sorry, from lithium and uh, and cobalt. I think that can happen. It's certainly not plutonium we're talking about. And um, you know, so yes, and every every rooftop that's not shaded by sun by trees or other buildings should have solar panels on it. Sellafield uh, in the UK is a horrendous um, military facility, actually. Uh, that has had major disasters and, um, you know, it needed to be shut uh, before it ever was built. I mean, it was, it's been a te terrible, terrible history there, William. And, and uh, it's a good question. Um, and it needs to be, there, there's a terrifying movie about, it's also called Windscale. Um, uh, anybody want to see it? It's called the Medusa Touch. I, I won't explain it further, but the Medusa Touch. Tesla makes solar roof tiles. And there's a company that makes solar home windows, but both are expensive. They are expensive, but they're coming down. Rooftop solar um, shingles for, uh, yeah, that, that film, um, uh, uh, very controversial, a very interesting film. I, I th I've seen it twice. I thought it was amazing, but uh, it was a lot of people don't like it. But it has a nuclear touch at the end. Uh, mm -hmm. Tesla uh, does make solar roof tiles, 
and they're also they're embed there's embed a glass that's embedded with uh, photovoltaics that works, and um, there's also um, uh, hybrid solar panels that are not used much but have potential in that they can both heat water and generate electricity. And the water, the, the, the heating of the waters serves a dual purpose because it also cools the solar panels, which increases their uh, efficiency. So watch for that. And yes, solar rooftops. Solar rooftops have been around a long time, but they haven't been able to get them quite efficient enough. But there will, there will be a breakthrough moment when solar roof tiles become um, extremely uh, cost-effective. So we're Harvey, we have a, a revolution here, William. And I'm yeah. going to tell you, I'm going to predict this. Within the next few years, the solar, wind, battery, um, and uh, efficiency LED industries combined will be bigger than coal, oil, nukes, and gas. And, and that will be the tipping point. The, the solar industry, I call it King Kong, by the way, coal, oil, nukes, and gas. The, the tipping point is not that far away. As I say, you've got, in the United States as a whole, there are upwards of 800,000 people working in solar, wind, batteries, and efficiency. That's a, that's a lot of people. The union movement has, has been slow, but they need to unionize that industry. And it dwarfs coal. I mean, there are more people working in wind and solar in California alone than are working in, in coal the whole country. Uh, you know, this, all this talk about the coal miners, uh, they're, they're a, a tiny piece of the puzzle here. A um, couple hundred thousand in oil uh, and gas, but, you know, that's... that's So people like, well, your point is, is people say you're going to lose all these jobs. They can be shifted over to these newer industries that are more yes, very well. That's what we did. That's been part of the deal at um, at uh, Diablo Canyon. The deal to shut Diablo Canyon included retraining for the workers there, so that there would not be jobs lost. A, 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 you know, a third to a half of the people at a nuclear plant have to stay on to decommission the plant. And you also have an aging workforce. You know, the younger generation, the millennials and the Zoomers, did not go into the nuclear industry. You know, way back when, it was, um, you know, a, a sexy thing to do to go into be a nuclear engineer. There's no reason to do it now. And so the millennials and the Zoomers, they're not there. The people running the nuclear plants <laughs> are older than the nuclear plants. And uh, and so when, when you go to shut one, you got to keep, like I say, a third, half the workforce to shut it down. But the others, uh, as at the Apple Canyon, we made provisions to get them retrained. And they have the skills necessary for, uh, for you know, engineering skills to do uh, solar. So and so that would be to, to summarize or summation. Your point is that there's better technologies, less threat to the environment. Shut, shut down to have one. Oh, absolutely. And the quicker we shut the nuclear plants, <clears throat> the better the odds are we won't have a meltdown. And I'll tell I, I, you, know, I, I hate to say this, but with 92 reactors at an average, average age of 39 years old, the odds on a major disaster are way too high. I mean, this is, you know, I'm not going to say it's inevitable, but boy, uh, I, I wouldn't be, I, I don't know what the Las Vegas odds are. Well, let's just put it this way. Still, 
no private company will insure an atomic reactor right. against a major That's disaster. What does that tell you? You know, a lot, a lot. Harvey, you are a great. Thanks for sharing your knowledge and experience. I really appreciate you coming on. Is there anything you'd like to add or anything you'd like to finish up with? Well, you're great. I'm really honored to be on this and um, have me back. We can talk about American history. I yeah. do have a new history of the U.S. called The People's Spiral of U.S. History. It's at that online bookseller. Did you know that 85% of the books in America are sold by Amazon? So it's up there. And uh, maybe you and I can talk history this and politics. And there, yeah. there's the cover of the book. I'm, I'm publishing it myself. You know, to stay away from the corporate um, uh, abyss. And uh, uh, so we can talk about that. And I'm always happy to talk about solar and wind. Anybody looking for a career, uh, it, it, you know, it, it is the number one growth industry in the world right now, renewable energy. And it will be for quite a while. So uh, let's a good let's, thing. Much less risk. If something goes wrong with a solar panel, not everybody's going to get poisoned. The kids are going to be born before. That's really the risk. Yeah, so and so share your I want a, a weekly Zoom on Mondays and we deal with election issues and with renewables. I'll put you on the list and uh if you came on I would uh have you talk about your podcast and it would certainly sure, exactly. introduce you. And I will put this in the show notes and once it goes in the show notes your information your links to your I have your email and your website so they'll be in the show notes if there's anything else you'd like to add to the show notes let me know cuz then it'll just and, and send me the link and I'll I'll circulate it around. Awesome. And again, the guest name is Harvey Wasserman. And we talked about the Diablo Canyon nuclear power plant and why it should be shut down and why people should get away from nuclear. The nuclear write the governor, Western. everybody. You got to write Governor Newsom and tell him to keep it shut. Amen. All right, Harvey. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you, William. This right, is great. There, I really there. appreciate awesome. it. Cool. Thank you. Stay there, Stuart.